Hi, I'm Matt McFarland, and we're putting the humor in horticulture on the growing season right here on News Talk, Saga 960 AM. Shovel along with us. Ladies and gentlemen, we're freezing! This is the Growing Season, brought to you by GrowingSeasonCanada.com. I'm Matt McFarland, and I'm pleased, as usual, to be joined around the table. Actually, forget that. Around the uh, wood stove by Jack McFarland and his wife, Lynn. But to me, they are mom and dad. To my left, mom in her parka. Mom, how are you? I'm okay. I'm somewhat warm. And dad? Matthew, I'm doing just fine. The temperatures have finally plummeted. Now, to those that were hoping for a plummet-free temperature-based winter, uh, I I regret to inform you that that is not a possibility. The uh, frigid temperatures have finally arrived in the greater Toronto area. And uh, for many of us, as far as those that are in horticulture, we are happy. This is a good thing. We'll talk a little bit about why this is a good thing. We we address this topic every single year, specifically for there's a couple... uh, parents at my kids bus stop that just take great pleasure in saying oh you know why do we need these frigid temperatures and uh, to to which i respond with uh, a litany of reasons why this is a good thing but in honor of the frigid temperatures finally arriving in the greater toronto area we thought that this week would be a good week to chat about wood now we could talk about burning it for 54 minutes because my dad is a noted pyro and this would be a fantastic thing but we figured okay Wood that is great to burn. How about wood that is great for furniture, flooring, all of this type of stuff? Fences, decks. Fences, decks. All of of the reasons or all of the areas where we would use wood. Yes, the burning of it to create heat that would definitely help in temperatures such as this. But what what are the pros, what are the cons of using it for various construction? And that includes furniture. All that and much more, we're going to get some wood here. This is the growing season, but right to you by GrowingSeasonCanada.com, we got wood. This is the growing season. We are off to the races. I'm Matt McFarland. And guys, before we bring my little daughter in here, I wanted to make mention of the fact that Mother Nature is a crazy, 100% evil... Son of a birch. Son of a birch. (laughs) Daughter of a birch? So, ladies and gentlemen, I have been... I have sort of been voluntold (laughs) that I am taking over my uncle's uh, snow contracts for the duration of the winter. Uh, Pat McFarland is recovering from knee surgery, wherein they chopped out portions of his knee and then uh, took some uh, titanium from NASA and popped it back in his leg. <laughs> okay? <laughs> it's yeah. So full-on swap. They swapped the knees out. And, or the, sorry, not knees, the knee. My, God, my goodness, if it was both knees, oh, man. But, so I've been doing the snow. And the last two snowfalls have been horrendous in that Mother Nature has decided that first we're going to snow, and then we're going to add a hearty dose of rain on top of the snow. Now, I'm not using a plow. I'm using, it's a big industrial grade, uh, like a commercial sized snowblower. So it's, it's a blower on the front of a lawn machine. 
And so you're out doing this, getting poured on, trying to shovel this stuff. It has been absolutely horrendous. If there are doubters with regards to climate change out there, I challenge you, look outside over the last couple of storms and tell me that, that we're not getting warmer because this oh, is absolutely sure. nuts. It has been horrendous, horrendous to try to move this snow. Do you want many contacted? Uh, Sharona Gorin and asked yep. her what was going on as far as the storm. This recent this was one. in Niagara. She lives. And she's in Niagara. She said it was just wet snow and rain. That was it. That's wild. Now, granted, Niagara is noted for that, though. Yes. This is not, yeah. this is not yeah. something that's unusual. All right. So, Emily McFarlane, as you do every single week, can you please bring us in? Ladies and gentlemen, stop your engine. Thank you very much, little lady. She has her piano recital coming up. Oh, when's that? We are, uh, it's on the 20th of January. We're super excited about that. She gets to go up and play up on the rooftop. It will take about 15 seconds, and then she'll be off stage. <laughs> oh, good <laughs> But for it'll her. be a wonderful 15 seconds. Okay, where are we starting, ladies and gentlemen? How about a little bit about trees, Matthew? Now, okay, one of the things is we do this when we t- like basically every week. So they've been here 400 million years, yes? Yes. yes. Not necessarily mm-hmm. vital information to the growing season. We don't necessarily have to <laughs> chart yeah. this way back. I mean, it's not necessarily vital, but regardless, they've been here for 400 million years. Long, long time. Yeah? Okay, yeah. so wait a minute. This is a good question for you then, Matthew. So which trees came first? Deciduous? Cycads. <laughs> which trees came first? Deciduous or evergreens? Conifers. Cycads. Mom? Conifers. They appeared during the Carboniferous period, <laughs> yeah, which was 358.9 million years to 298.9 million years ago. Okay. That's the time that coal was formed. That was the right. time I was born. <laughs> yeah. Do you remember the Carboniferous yeah. Yeah. period, Josh? Okay. Son, <laughs> I've been around a long, long, long time, right? But, so, okay, conifers first, and... We're going to do this. I'm going to do this once. and Well, actually, I'm going to do this once on this show, but we tend to do this over the course of the the entire year that we are on the radio. All right. Coniferous equals cone-bearing. What that means is any tree, basically, or any, any plant organism that bears a cone. And this is the reproductive organism, yes? Yes. yes. Okay. Deciduous is any organism that loses its leaves every single autumn. Now, there's a distinction here, though, because when somebody says coniferous, they automatically think, oh, evergreen doesn't shed its needles. Untrue. I'm sorry, you said These what? trees, these cone-bearing organisms, they do shed their foliage, but the problem is that you don't necessarily see it in the same way that you would see it on a deciduous tree. It's okay. not as dramatic. It isn't as dramatic. Like what happens on the on the deciduous tree is they actually have something called first shed, which usually happens what towards the end of June, early July, somewhere in there, where they begin to sort of drop a little bit of the of the. Except old. in twenty twenty three, we didn't have the first shed till later in the summer because right. of all the rain. All the rain, but they tend to drop it dramatically all at once. Whereas your coniferous, your cone bearing organisms, there's sort of it's a bit of a trickle. Right, it's putting yeah, the bathtub two years. on. Yeah, it's it's yeah. it's like putting the bathtub on on a trickle versus putting the bathtub on with the deciduous. It would just be full tilt boogie blast. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So Matt, there is approximately three point four trillion trees on Earth. Yes. And uh, every year they're basically harvesting uh, approximately fifteen point three billion trees. Okay. So my my question to you, Matt, is 
We are plant. Sorry, U.S. is planting one billion trees every year. Every time they cut down trees, and the Canada is planting six hundred million, replanting six hundred million, and the rest of the world is only three hundred million. What the heck are they doing? Okay, now, as I was going over these notes uh, this morning, my wife, noted interior designer, as well as she specializes in sustainable design. So you're going to be hearing. I'm going to punch holes in your stuff all the way through this. I'm going to punch holes in, in your notes. But what she said is, it's not necessarily for lack of interest in the planting of trees. Firstly, there are going to be areas where they just simply do not have the geography to plant trees. Like mountainous areas. Really like mountainous, mountainous areas. Yeah. You'd also Deserts. have areas where you could plant as many trees as you as you want. And they will not thrive. For instance, Australia. That's great. You go and you do all this tree planting program, but somebody has to get out and water these things. It isn't like they have the climate that lends itself well to just ambient water. Yes? Yeah, yeah but the problem, Matt, is you got areas like the rainforest, yep. which are cutting 80,000 acres down yes. daily, which is, if you want to know how to uh, think of this, listeners, that's 27 football fields per minute. Yep. I don't care what you say, Matt. Scary. Completely awful. 100%, 100% awful. Okay. But the point is that here in Canada, we A, have the geography to be replanting. But part of the reason why we have the geography to be replanting is because of our lumber industry. We're also cutting down, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So yeah. we're cutting it down to then clear it. And somebody comes in and stumps out the stumps, and then they replant trees in that area. Yes? Yes. Yes. So it's it's a bit of a misnomer. It sounds like a lot, but the point is that there would be areas on Earth where they just simply cannot replant. They just don't have that geography available to them. Yes? Yes. And other issues come into play, Matt. What about recently the gypsy moth caterpillar came in and took yep. out about 400 million trees you had your mountain pine beetles your ash borer beetles they came in and took out our, a lot of our ashes especially around 100 million and same thing goes for your mountain pine beetles so what happens matt is because of the big double c climate change yeah we are starting to see as you say all these insects surviving longer going into the winter. So yes, they are hunkering down insects, but they're still doing way more damage throughout the season than they ever did before. Ag agreed, agreed. And so you heard me make mention on the tee up here about how there is a glorious benefit to having temperatures. You know what? I'm going to cue the ramp music, okay? And here's why. It's not all about you. It's not all about you. Here's what I mean sure by sounds that. sounds like it. Okay. <laughs> Here's what I mean by that. I know it's uncomfortable to have the temperatures at this depth. I know oh, it's yeah, cold. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I know it's uncomfortable to have to spend, you have to allot a, a an extra 10 minutes in the morning to get the kids out to school because you got to, you know, you pour, wrap them up. pour them into their snow pants. You got to look for the gloves and whatever. Okay. I know. I know it's uncomfortable to have to put on your parka to go out. I know it's uncomfortable to shovel your driveway or to salt your front walks. I get it. I know it's uncomfortable. All right? I understand. But let me say it again. It's not all about you. Here is what I mean by this. Ticks. 
mountain pine beetles, spongy moth, all of these things. Ground fleas. All of these things are proliferating and are increasing in number because our winters have gotten warmer. And if we get temperatures in this range, it kills off a certain percentage. And we called this like two years ago. We said, oh, if the temperatures get to a certain range, guess what's going to happen? They're going to kill off the majority of the spongy moth eggs, and we're not going to have a spongy moth resurgence. And guess what happened? Exactly that. So you need to get over yourself. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you need to deal with a little bit of discomfort so that it benefits us for the, re- for the rest of the year. And you heard me make mention a couple weeks back. I have one of my son's friends. This kid's father is, has engaged in medical tourism. He's in Mexico right now getting experimental treatment for Lyme disease. And part of the reason why is the presence of ticks are on the rise in our area. And the reason is directly correlated to climate change. We need these temperatures. Yes? Yes. Yes. It's not all about you. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Dad, go for it. So, Matt, after all these trees are cut down, these 15.3 billion trees, which is about 41 million trees a day, they are turned into product. Uh, approximately 60% of all the trees that are cut down are used for product. 35% alone for paper. And one of the companies out there right now, which is basically the uh, Large River Company, they are cutting down approximately 1 billion trees to turn into paper and cardboard. Yes. So that is a distressing number. Right, Lynn? Yes, it is. Yeah. So, Lynn, this is for you. If we are cutting all these trees down, turning them into product, uh, how would that compare to say, uh, the amount of oxygen the oceans are producing. Are trees producing a lot more oxygen than the oceans, or are the oceans producing more oxygen than the trees? Is it the oceans are producing more oxygen than the trees? But marine life needs a certain percentage of it. They use 50% of it, Matthew. Yeah. So this is what... Yeah. So even if they're producing 70% of the oxygen, marine life life is still using 50%. they got to breathe, too. Agreed. Plus... (laughs) They're underwater. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Breathing becomes even more important. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So, Matt, trees are, it's all about, when you, when it comes to oxygen, it's all about something called low leaf area index. So, that means the amount of oxygen that these particular trees or plants are releasing in order to produce this product. By the way, waste product that we breathe. Okay? Boring. Boring. But, <laughs> let's see how smart you are, Matt. I'm not. On to the next subject. Trees are, which trees produce the least amount of oxygen and why? Cycads. No, (laughs) mum. The coniferous trees, especially pines. Any of the pinus. Oh, there's your Latin alert. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So which trees then, if they're producing the least amount, which trees are producing the most amount? Of oxygen. Of oxygen, yeah. yeah. Uh, gotta be de- has to be deciduous. Right. Yes, because right. of the, the amount of leaf cover. Yeah. 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 So, now, hold yeah. on a second. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Question for you. This is, and I'm not being facetious, although it's not all about you. Um, is there less oxygen, ambient oxygen in the winter in this area because we have less leaf cover? Yes. Yeah, that's an Absolutely interesting thought. Has right? to be. Yeah, it, yeah. it definitely tracks. So, so wait that, a second. No, no, hold on a minute. Whoa, 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 hold on a minute. No, I, let's let's now let's follow this down the rabbit hole for a second. So the results of less oxygen with regards to the body is firstly you you begin to feel sleepier. 
mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is there a correlation between that feeling of hibernation or wanting to hibernate in the winter because of the la- the reduced levels of oxygen in and around our area because of lack of leaf cover as well as snow cover covering up the grass, which is also responsible for oxygen production? Yes? Yeah. That would be a very interesting study, actually. Holy man. Yeah, I don't yeah. know if you want to bring the query in on that one. I'm not. not I don't no. even know what to ask. Yeah. So yeah. that which which non tree item out there produces more oxygen than trees would ever produce? Any idea? Cycads. Mom. <laughs> He's in love with cycads right now. Yeah. It's the uh, pole family. Yeah. Yeah. Grasses. Yeah. Bamboo. Yeah. And one of the reasons that they produce more oxygen than our trees and that is that grass never sleeps. Trees do have a bit of a down cycle at night, but grass, like the pole family, the grass family, and that includes bamboo, they're going 24-7. Okay, now it's 35% more more oxygen, Matt, than trees. Okay, yeah, so you've got this. Check this out. This is interesting, and then we're going to punch a hole in this, okay? Check this out. Mm -hmm. Trees produce enough oxygen for 8 to 18 peoples. Mm -hmm. Lawns. Produce 70% uh, 70 people, right? Per acre. Yeah, per acre. But it's a lawn. Yep. And you're cutting it. Yeah, I get it. Mm-hmm. And you're watering it. Yep. And you're putting fertilizer on it. I get it. You're putting yeah. herbicides on it. So And, th- and here, we're talking about it. So here's... <laughs> yeah. Okay, so this is the one thing that my wife continually... Yeah, it's a balance sheet. This is what she says, right? She goes, the issue with the sustainability sector... Okay, and for those for our listeners that don't know what that means, it just means that you're trying to. There's a there's a specific section of the of the of the public sector of corporations that is trying to reduce its carbon footprint, basically preserve the earth. Yes. Yes. Wait, 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 wait a minute here. Okay, I don't care what you tell me. I'm not just talking lawns. I'm talking poles. Okay, so poles, Matt. So there is all sorts of natural grasses everywhere. Completely, but that your, do not need cutting grass. But your statement here, quote, trees produce enough oxygen for 8 to 18 people. Yes. Here's the highlight. Lawns, okay, 70 people per per acre, end quote. That's what you said. It's Directly right as a pace, but I think that, Matt, if you take all of the grasslands and everything else in the world, they're doing way more... Good than you imagine. 100%. Nothing to do with your lawns. How much of the grasslands we are, are we talking about that are actually under domestic cultivation or, or cutting or whatever else you want to call it? Again, I, I hear you, but you highlighted lawns. It's the word my, is there. I know, but it's not. <laughs> do you know mine. what I'm saying? Yeah. Okay, let's but, call it grasslands. But my, but. The issue is that when you have one, this is what happens with when it comes to sustainability is when you've got one wonderful thing, you have to look at, okay, but yeah. wait a minute, what's on the other side of this thing? It's right? a balance it's, sheet. It's a balance sheet. For instance, let's go and look at the electric battery, the electric car. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's wonderful. It, the, the, the intention is to reduce the amount of carbon being pumped into the atmosphere. Yeah. 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 Fantastic idea. Only problem is the batteries. What do you do with the batteries when they're done? Yeah. yeah. As well as the ecological fallout for mining for the lithium. For the lithium is probably just as bad as it is for the fossil fuel stuff. Yes? Yes. Yeah. So while you're solving one problem on the one side, you you are. It's absolutely you're not putting as much carbon into the atmosphere. Is there a whole host of other problems on the other side? 
Like yeah. Matt, we eat, we poop. We uh, this is we do. Of a problem. We do all those yeah. things. Yes. But okay. Matt, if you were when when somebody is going out and they decide they want to burn some wood in a fireplace, in a stove, or even just outdoors, and uh, one of the, what did you get me? One of those um, fire pits. Fire pit. Yeah. 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 So is burning wood good, bad, or who cares? Well, according to your notes, it's not recommended. Not at all. And Why? so this was an interesting thing that I read, and this is this is this is one of the shows that I've actually read, which is fantastic. <laughs> um, <laughs> that climate change started when humanity began to be control able to, fire, yeah. like like control fire. Yeah, yeah. I right. mean, fires were happening before that, right. lightning, lightning strike or whatever. whatever. But the ability to be able to create it. And again, what ends up happening here with with humanity is when when we can do something once, then we like to do it a whole lot. Yes. Mom's yeah. smiling here, Matt. She's right. probably thinking yeah. about. I don't even want to know. Issues. We got about we got about six minutes to the jump, and okay. then you can laugh your, yeah, laugh you your guts out. So, yeah. Matt, everybody when they go out and they buy wood, they yep. usually get it in a half cord or a fa- uh, sorry a face cord or a bush cord. Dad, Mom, can you explain? Oh no, no, hold on a second. Slow your roll. Why is it called a cord? I'll tell you why. Go. Okay, in 1610, and this started actually uh, in North America. Wood was measured with a cord, actually a piece of, of rope. And I guess they had a standard length of rope and, you know, you'd come to buy some wood to heat your log cabin and they would they would put the, they would cho- have the wood chopped, they put the cord around, say, okay, you've got a cord. And that's what? where the word came yeah. from. Yeah. And Hold on. Hold on a minute. That actually so started what? in New England. What? Like, you know, wood chopper Bill, he comes out, he has his special wood rope. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Well, they had to standardize it somehow. But wait, okay. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Do we have the dimensions on what a cord is? Sure. Eight, okay. Eight feet by four feet by four feet is a bush cord, and then half would be half of that number. So eight feet long, long four, four feet, feet wide, four, four feet, feet high. high. Yeah. It's, it's a considered bush cord. a bush cord. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So this is from the 1970s. No. Uh, I mean, no. no. There's approximately there's, approx- <laughs> there's approximately five to six hundred pieces in a bush cord okay. of wood. Okay. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What, mom? Difference between a bush cord and a face cord? A face cord is half a bush cord. A Am I face right? cord is half a bush cord. Yeah. So that would be eight by two by two, or is that four by two by two? I that I don't know. Okay. I don't have anything wood burning. I, I don't use he- wood to heat my yeah, home. We did. So I don't buy farmhouse. this stuff. Yeah. But you always hear this thing cord. So again, it's wood chopper bill. He goes, don't, 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 don't. He shows up with this big piece of string. That's like, how it started. Yeah. So they had. All right. All so right. Yeah. mom, this is for you. So when burning things like hardwoods and softwoods. How can you please explain the difference between the two? That is a, okay. Actually, mom, let's pull the word burning out of this. You don't necessarily need to even burn this. Let's explain the difference. What the heck is a hardwood? What the heck is a softwood? Well, a hardwood is usually from a deciduous tree. Atta girl. And it's just harder wood. It's more, it's tougher. It's more durable. It's not as soft. Yep. And if you are going to use it for burning, it burns cleaner and longer. So it would make it probably more desirable. It's dense, stronger. Okay. Uh, When you bang it on the ground, it has a different sound. Now, again, devil's advocate here. You do have, I know this is going to, the listener's like, what? You do have soft hardwood. Yes, you yeah. do. It's called a larch. There's decidua, yeah. Or a birch. A birch is a very soft, like it's pulpy and kind of yucky, right? So it's a In soft In comparison hardwood. to like an oak. Yes. An oak would be hard. like. <laughs> it would be a shame <laughs> to burn oak. 
or a, or a cherry. Well, you guys burn oak in your. Uh, oh yes, we do. Yes. Yeah. So from skids though. From yeah. skids, yeah. So before we get our more ecologically savvy listenership jumping up and down and pointing fingers and be like, it's not all about you. My parents, what ha- what happens is when I get a delivery of rock, in some cases they actually use like a, it's almost like a crate type structure around this rocks to hold them in place. It's for safety as well, right? When they're, when they're craning this oh, yeah. skid of rock off the truck, they have this wooden sides on it. And even if with, even without the wooden sides, when you go and you put the piece of rock down or or the big skid down full of rock, sometimes those rocks move and they and they crack and splinter these skids. Sometimes the company that I get my rock from will not take the skids back because they're just so damaged. So my parents in their fire pit, they use the damaged skids, the skids that I cannot return because the company's like I just can't use this, and they just happen to be white oak. Yeah, and man, these suckers burn. They really burn. Really hard yeah. to cut up and use them for <laughs> yeah. Yeah. any yeah. sort of firewood. Yeah, agreed. But Matt, burning softwood, it comes from basically conifers. Yep, and it is less dense. Uh, it's softer, burns faster. And as far as the best softwood out there would be, and you mentioned it, the Larix decidua, or I mentioned Large. it. Now, you the uh, the issue with softwood though here is. First of all, softwood, you're dealing with something not, that you wouldn't necessarily be dealing with when it comes to the deciduous, is that there's a, a higher presence of a sappy material in your Resin, softwood, yeah. right? You have, the, you, have, you, have, you have the resins, as well no, as... you're wrong on that. There's more resins, resins in... Think about it. Pines, spruce... Yeah, but that's what he said. That's what I'm saying. Oh, softwood. Yeah, I thought you yeah. said. Yeah. No, that's what I said. So if you're burning softwood, you're dealing with a higher degree of... This resiny type, this resiny type material, right? As well as it tends to burn faster because it's it's a softer wood. It isn't nearly as tough as as hard, right? And it's all about seasoning to begin with. And I'm not talking on your food. Yeah, it's about how you season that wood. And can you explain that one, Lynn, please? Well, you can't just cut a tree down and and go and burn it in your fireplace right away because well, yes, you can. You can, but it's so full of moisture and it's going to be so smoky, and you're not going to get Wait a minute, good clean burn. So, what does burn. that smoky moisture thing going on? What does that have to do with anything? That creates something called creosote. Yeah. And hold up, we're going to talk about that on the other side. We're going to get into some creosote. This is the growing season brought to you by GrowingSeasonCanada.com. Burn with us. This is The Growing Season, brought to you by GrowingSeasonCanada.com. Directly after this show airs, click on Listen and Watch, and you can listen to this show in its entirety, plus with back catalog. Great. Okay. So, we are talking about Quentin Tarantino. Okay. What? Do you know who Quentin Tarantino is? Made a lot of, like, kind of scary, weird movies. Scary, violent. 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 What else did he make? Pulp Fiction. Ah, Pulp. Pulp. 
Yeah, like in pulp okay, and paper. So here's what happens. We talked about creosote on the previous side there. That's how we finished up the first half of the show. This creosote thing, this creosote substance, actually comes from burning either unseasoned, overly moistured, or pulpy wood at low temperatures. And you sort of it forms this like black sort of sooty material. sooty material and it, especially if you're using like a wood stove it, it's it sticks it sticks to your all your pipe or the inside of your stove or whatever and eventually this this stuff can, can catch on fire yes yeah, yes. And then, uh, yeah. when you have a, an actual wood stove with a glass front panel you will notice black build up on the glass yeah. itself and that tells you that you have a lot of creosote but there are easy ways to get rid of it without going and spending hundreds of dollars to get uh one of these uh, chimney sweeps to come in. What you can do, Matt, is you can turn the temperature. If this, if this is a wood stove, get the temperature up to around 400 to 475 degrees. So this is a self-cleaning option on, on your oven. On like, basically, yeah, 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 yeah. And it burns <laughs> it off. <laughs> do that. Okay. Come on. But Matt, creosote, as you said, it won't create. Um, it's not generally done from dry wood. It won't, won't yeah. happen. Yeah. So some people will do these really weird things as far as creosote. What they'll do is they'll take aluminum cans and they will throw them into the fire. What? I'm not lying. And they will burn They will burn super hot, these aluminum cans, and they will remove <laughs> any creosote okay. from your firebox or your chimney. And you know what, Matthew? I have never tried it, and I don't know if I now, want to. Yeah. Let's not do that. Now, listen, again, yeah. you know, goats... <laughs> Love to eat aluminum cans. That's one of their favorite meals. Really? Well, <laughs> they show it on in go, cartoons, but yeah. I don't believe Goals it. Goats will eat anything. Yeah. Give the cans to the goat. And not go not to the fire. Skins thrown into your, your fire, bo fire box or whatever. While they may burn pretty well, they also do nothing. Okay, so don't. Potato don't skins bug. don't do it either. People would do throw potato, potato skins in. But Matt, what is really important is how this wood is processed. So if you go and you split that wood, once it's split, it will gasify properly. It is a great word, right? Yep. And then, then you're off to the races and that wood will burn properly. So mom, this is for you. What are the best woods out there to burn? Great segue. Ah, uh, okay. Well, I would think the hardwoods. You got it. And what's, that's kind of a shame. Would what's it the be best? Maple. Uh, maple? No. No? No. Uh, um, ash? Ash. Fractionist. But we can't get that here. No. No, but there's uh, lots of axes. The axe. <laughs> lots of axes. There is lots of axes involved in this show. Uh, yes, you're right. Yes. Ash around in other places. Yes, mom. And but don't. Okay, I know with the ash borer beetles, so you find an ash lying on the forest floor. It's been decimated by the beetle. Do not use that ash for burning because because it's lying on the forest yeah. floor it's got a lot of pests in it it's got bacteria and, and it could else. be pulpy and, and now moisture. you're getting into creosote right yes. oh, so you would probably not find too much ash on the forest floor anymore it would be more like all your betulas matt your birches yeah. and so forth yeah but anything that falls down in the on the ocean oceans ah <laughs> i am really not today okay anything that falls down on the forest floor it will become pulpy very quickly yeah, and a lot of moisture, therefore approximately 40%. So when you go to burn that, it's not a good thing. So we had the pleasure of chatting with a gentleman by the name of Jeffrey Rowe last year, and he uses this interesting, it's like a, it's an outdoor wood burning furnace. He uses this to heat a portion of his home. It's super cool. Oh. 
No, I don't think it's the whole home. Oh, okay. I thought it was a, a good portion of it because it because it, it, it involves radiant heating, right? What ends up happening is the fire begins to heat. Uh, I'm assuming it's some sort of an antifreeze material that runs through pipes, and that, and then that is pumped into the home, and it creates radiant heat. Based water. It's heats uh, water. Yeah, but yeah. it's got to have something in it that, that it isn't going to freeze, freeze either. Yeah, right? coming from the. But the point here the is that he said, I remember him saying this, is that he can use wood that has moisture in it, but what you have to do is. You have to put, it has to be done in layers. Where Way he would, you stack it. Yeah, so he would put a layer of dry seasoned wood on the bottom, closest to, I guess, the fire. The fire, and then stack the wetter stuff up top. And what ends up happening is the wood down below superheats the wetter wood up top. And, it, and then you don't get creosote. It's all about how you stack it. There's a real science to it. So when you guys talk about seasoning the wood, we're not putting Cajun seasoning on, no. which, is an, which is an absolute shame because, I mean, listen, every self-respecting beaver wants to eat the tree with, with Cajun seasoning on it, right? Yeah. Right? But so when they talk about seasoning it, yes, number one, you got to cut this thing down. And then secondly, it needs two things. It needs time to dry. That's the first one. But it also needs airflow. Yes? Yeah. So and protection from the elements. That's yeah. Great. So for instance, I did a I did a landscape job uh, in in the fall of last year for a childhood friend of mine. And uh, his father unfortunately has passed on and his dad left him his, the the home that, that he grew up in. And on site is this massive, massive, massive structure that is used to keep wood dry and properly season it. So it's sort of like, a, you know how, mom, you, you you go to these provincial parks and they have these pergolas, like yeah. or these gazebos set up, right? yeah. large structures, 10 by 12, 12 uh, by 12, uh, like 12 a by 14. Uh, 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 I call it a picnic it's like enclosure. A it's a roofed, it's a roofed open-sided patio. That's exactly what this is. It's literally four posts in, in the ground with a roof on top of it. And then you stack the wood inside, but you don't stack it like super side by side. There's 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 room in between it so, so to allow for airflow yeah. as well as it's keeping the, the rain or keeping the elements off of the wood, giving it time to dry. Because during the winter, they actually shut the heat off in the house. It's actually heated by propane and they heat predominantly using wood. Wow. Yeah. So if listeners, if you're getting in wood for your for the burning in your fireplace or, or in your uh, fire pit like we do, the it has to have a certain look if it's seasoned. So in other words, it should be gray in color, yeah, Matt. That's it. Always be split because it helps it to dry faster. And when you go to pick up that piece of wood, what should you notice, Lynn? It should be yeah, heavy. Seasoned wood is lighter because oh, there's less lighter, moisture, yeah, because moisture, moisture content. Water. Yeah. You're yeah, looking yeah. at something between 12 and 15% moisture. 40% is what you get with the pulpy stuff. And when you pick this piece of wood up, it, you'll, you'll notice checking or cracking. These are little cracks that would appear as it dries. But it also, if you bang this piece of wood on the ground mat, it should sound solid. And lastly, Lynn, it should have a nice, smell, nice yeah, smell. Nice going woody on. smell. But Matt, man, there is nothing. Oh, I know. Like the smell of wood heat. Oh, I know. So out west, Matt, Lynn's sister and uses um, a pellet stove or something, doesn't it? Yeah. And so here, here's an interesting thing: what do pellets for the pellet stove and particle board-safe plywood for your floors and and roof and so forth have in common? That's easy. Cycads. Yeah. No. <laughs> <huh>? <laughs> 
they both are using the lignans in their wood, which is the natu natural natural glue glue in the wood to hold them together. Like the pellets for the pellet stove, it's just the sawdust from the sawmills, but and they're compressed, they're heated and compressed, and it's the the lignans, the natural glue, no glue. holding it's them all together. Natural, it's just, but again, it's just it's the it's the sawdust. Then it's compressed at high pressure, yeah, and yeah, when you put it under that much pressure and temperature, yep. the natural sappy goodness of those things squeezes out and creates this pellet. Yes, Mom. Yes. Jack, isn't the word in Latin for wood lignin? Yeah. Okay. Which yeah. means sappy goodness made into a pellet. Yeah, I guess so. Now the yeah. other thing too, not that we're talking about. I, I get it. We're talking about wood here, but they don't. They have uh, corn, like a corn burning stove. I thought they they use like it's old dilapidated corn pellets or something. I oh. thought I'd have but to wouldn't go that look that cellulose be able to use for a product that we would eat in our normal everyday lives. Yeah, and what about uh, like cattle feed? Yeah, yeah. Anyway, okay. So, Matt, here's an, here's an interesting thing. We're going to flip to construction for a minute. Okay? Please, that's good. So, right now, there is a product that is coming out that are, it's wood nails, okay? This is, I'm not lying, wooden nails, yep. okay? Where you don't okay. have to do pilot holes or any of that kind of thing. But what happens, Matt, is they, what they will do is they will use also the lignans, like we've been discussing. And it's a... What they do, man, is a, a new process which chemically removes these lignans from the wood fibers to, to, to create this product. But, Matt, get this. Yes, Len. Oh, I was just going to say, I think I'm stealing your thunder. Go on. Oh, go ahead. Well, so. the product that they're creating is a transparent wood product, and it could be a substitute for glass windows and solar cells. Solar cells, Matthew. What? Okay, yes. whole whoa. Mm -hmm. First of all, now we're talking about wooden nails. It sounds like a Wait square a tire. We were, no, no, we <laughs> were right on. To, we went. We did a perfect segue because you were talking about lignans. Okay, so they create this nail using the natural sappy goodness from the wood. They compress it. Yeah, but they're wooden nails, Matt. No rust. Well, they'll no, decompose. No rust from the nails or whatever you're using. They what, Mom? Wouldn't they break down in the landfill, no, too? No, they're all lignans. We don't all... want the nail to break oh, okay. down. Well, no, no, it's for construction, yeah, right? No. That's true. I just thought it was really a cool way to go. Okay, Matt. Well, let's get away from all the burning. We're into construction now. So if you commonly go out there and you want to use wood for construction, whether it's your homes, your decks, or whatever... What is one of the products that they would use in a big way? Okay, so many times, if you're going to your local lumber yard or your uh, local big box store, just a bit of a a bit of a switch gears here and a recommendation. Here's a little bit of a pro tip for you: if you are looking to use lumber for construction, whether that be interior or exterior. It is by far and away easier to put a screw into lumber that has been stored outdoors than it is to put a screw into lumber that has been stored indoors. Moisture content. Moisture content. So the more moisture in the wood, the easier it is. That screw will go in like butter. If you got this wood that has been kiln dried or whatever, and it's, it, it, you know, you're down into your Ram set. Fifth, it's you need a like a hilty shot to get <laughs> the sucker in there. But... So you're going to see when you get your lumber, let's say you're going to use lumber for framing a new wall. Okay. They have a stamp on it and it says SPF. Those three letters are not for super powered French fries. <laughs> they are for spruce pine fir. Basically that piece of wood would have been milled down from either a spruce, a pine or a fir, but let's get macro on it. Something soft wood. 
Yes. Yes. It is very rare that they are using hardwood material for construction. Generally, hardwood material stuff is being used for stuff like furniture. Yeah. Okay, so wait a yeah. minute. So why don't we use oak, let's say, for, say, wall construction and so forth? Number one, it's very expensive. But what is the main reason why we don't use oak for the outdoor use? Wait. No, mum. Well, those these oak and that is very dense and very strong, but it, it makes it difficult to work with when you're when you're framing a house. No, no? what rotten decay? Oh, I really? Find that using oak outdoors, let's say for your decks or your fences, and so remember one to be super expensive, but the, oh. but it is something that they don't recommend because of the rotten decay. It's exposed to moisture, and it's not a good choice for framing or structure. Okay, here's a question of a historical nature. Weren't a lot of those wooden sailing ships from the age of exploration made out of oak? And they were crisscrossing the Atlantic Ocean Different all thing the time. Different thing altogether. Okay. Okay, yeah, listen, I, that's a great question, by the way. Wow. Um, for me, <laughs> I can't even imagine. Ladies salt. and gentlemen. What? I think it was salt, myself personally. I think the salt from the... The pickled the ship? That pickled, <laughs> pickled the wood, and I think it preserved <laughs> it, Matthew. That's my opinion anyways. Yeah, yeah, this... Uh, Listen, so the, so the ship goes to dry dock and it has the, 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 the ship doctor come up and be like, yes. you need to watch your sodium. Yeah. We got, we're wicked amounts of sodium here. I christened this <laughs> ship the HMS Pickle. <laughs> okay, so... Okay, wait, 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 hold on a second, hold on. For our listeners that haven't done any sort of construction, ex- specifically exterior construction when it comes to timber, uh, you know, we can routinely carry around a, an eight-foot-long six-by-six six six on our shoulders, no problem. In fact, I can probably carry two. But those are made out of SPF, spruce pine fir, right? Any of your pressure-treated wood outside for your decks or your fences is always SPF, spruce pine fir. Imagine, though, trying to use the same size, the same uh, dimensions of lumber, but now it's oak. And that, ladies and gentlemen, sucks. You wouldn't be carrying you, you, you couldn't carry it around. As well as to try to, 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 try to drive a 12-inch Ardox spike into <laughs> an oak... Done six it. by six. Done it. I had a customer once who... Oak? Was, yeah, and it was completely the wrong thing. They should have gone with redwood or cedar. But Matt, yes, that's a good question have. for you. So when you go and you cut down a tree, yep. let's say, and you start, you know, you harvest it, and then you, you, you decide you want to refine it into some product. Yeah. What part of the tree is being used to make whatever, whatever product, whether it's wood for outdoors or building your home? It's always the trunk, the main trunk. Nope. Well, it's the heartwood, which is in oh, the yeah, trunk. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Why, Mom? The heartwood is the it, hardest. It's the hardest. It's it's the support system for the trunk. It's the spine. Yeah, it's the spine, so it's the strongest wood. Yeah. So, Matt, when you're building your home, here's a good um, number to think about. If you're going out there and you're building a home, let's say that there's 6.3 board feet required for every square foot of your home. So, here's a number to think about, Matt. You would use 6,300 board feet to complete a 1,000-square-foot home or 12,600 board feet to create a 2,000-square-foot home. So how many trees are we using to build a home, Mom? Well, for the 2,000-square-foot home, we figured it out 17 pine trees, and that's if they're 80-foot height. Yes. Okay. And so if you were not going to go out there and cut down all these trees to make product, I don't care what it's being used for, what would be one of the best alternatives, and I'm not talking for flooring because I know you would shoot me down on this one, but what would be one of the best alternatives to use besides a tree? For construction? For well, aluminum, fencing. metal. No, 
Well, bamboo. Bamboo, right. Yeah. So you would be using uh, Bambusa vulgaris, which is a common variety. You'd be using uh, Guadula and Gustafolia. So what you're doing is you're using that because, believe it or not, Matt, this these poles, this bamboo has the, uh, tensile strength stronger than steel. Okay, let's play devil's advocate. First of all, it doesn't, it doesn't grow native here, yes? No. Yes. no okay, so in other words, in, for, for us to use it for construction, there's massive levels of transport involved, yes? I didn't say us. I what I said, but what I'm saying is that if we were going to use this, because you just said tensile strength is is fantastic. It's 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 a wonderful, wonderful building material. The problem is to use it here involves barges. Yeah, massive levels of diesel puking barges. Yeah. Right. Again, back to my wife's argument. You find a wonderful solution, but the problem is that is, is, is that solution then comes with. Its own set of problems, Mom. But homes in the tropics, a lot of Absolutely. times. Absolutely, bamboo right there in your backyard. Uh, David Sands. David yeah. Sands. He's yeah. building skyscrapers with this stuff. Yeah, bamboo in living. Hawaii. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. It's okay. So we made a brief mention of furniture here. Let's get into some furniture stuff. Okay. Well, now, one more thing, Matt. Yes. So if you're outside and you want to build a deck or you yep. want to build a fence, yep. What would you say the average life expectancy is for that product that you're using for that fence or for that deck? Is it pressure treated? Yes. I don't know, 25 years? Well, it depends what you're using it for. It could be 20 to 25 years. Uh, one of the best ones out there is what, Mom? IP. IP. No, no, Epe. Epe? That's how you say it. Okay, yeah, thank Ipe. you. Which can, which can last up to 75 years. Yes. So that's going for a long time. But where's it come from? Brazil. It. But I'm not saying that that is a product to use for most people. Because if you're looking at the average, say, cost of doing a deck, it's anywhere between... Twenty dollars to fifty dollars per square foot. Okay. Now, Epe comes from Brazil. I got it. Yeah. So now we're running into not only are you hacking down rainforest, but you are also transporting this wood now across the ocean. Yes. And environmental also- impact becomes more and more and more, Mom. But being that it will last possibly seventy-five gotcha. years, you're not trashing that deck after I got twenty. You. You're not cutting down landfill. trees that that take sixty to eighty years to mature in order to make products. So we have a customer uh, out of the Oakville area. We're in the process of finishing up their job coming in the spring, and uh, they their deck is made out of epay. Yeah, it's cool. It's unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, it's a completely weird looking wood. Absolutely nuts. Um, just when you if if we're talking exterior construction. Fencing, most people are using something F- SPF, pressure treated. Okay. And the only reason why that that pressure treated is being used is it's moisture and rotting and insects, right? It tends yeah. to prevent uh, an insect intrusion or invasion, as well as, uh, especially if it's making contact with anything moist. But exactly. it, so that's why the floor on deck decking breaks down quicker. It's because the wind right. falls down and hits it directly many times people nowadays and again costs can be prohibitive but many times nowadays what people are doing is they're doing for all of the guts for all of the framing of the decks for for stuff that you don't see or make actual contact with they're using spf spruce pine fir and then for the flooring or the railings or the areas where little feet or hands are making contact, because there is some concern over the chemicals in the pressure treating, they're now using cedar or something that is... Uh, that or redwood. Or even redwood. Something that will uh, battle against moisture and insects naturally, but you're not also putting your little feet on chemicals. Yes? That's yes. why a lot of times that we use pine mat because it's got a lot of resin within 
Um, again, if you're using, uh, let's say, if you're building your wood fences, typically it would be somewhere between $12 and $35 per linear foot. So that's something to uh, take into consideration. This now, but wait a minute, so this is really important. So if you're going along, you're building this deck or whatever, even your fence, what is the one of the most important things that you should take into consideration when doing so? Psychats. <laughs> I'm not sure. You kind of derailed the me with structure psychats. structure beneath. Yes. Okay, so right. the product yes. that you're using beneath. So make sure that you're using something that is structurally strong because you want to hold up that weight of that deck. Or in your case, Matt, you're always talking about doing the posts for the fencing. Yeah. Should always be six by six because of warpage. Yeah. You know what, you know what the, uh, the notes put down? It got warp age. Warp age? Yeah. Now, speaking of that, though, now, is there any truth to the rumor that a bunch of pine lumber in one area is called a residence? Uh, <laughs> yeah. No. So if you put <laughs> in a fence post, per se, it's going to cost you anywhere from 50 to $200 per post. But take this into big time consideration. The less post, the more money it's going to cost you because it's always a, a what is it, a, a surcharge or whatever. Yeah, a beginning. flat fee. Flat fee before yeah. they step onto the property. Now, yeah. for getting into woods for furniture, Matt, some of the best ones out there, of course, are your mahogany, your cedar, your teak, your walnut, and so forth. But the most popular woods are not those. Is They are what, Matthew? Maple and oak, I'm sure. Maple, oak. Even pine, but you got to be careful because when you're cutting Soft. on it, you can yeah. make lines or indentations. And of course, beach. But one of the things that you would see if you're doing couches and things like that, Matt, they would use, normally use ash because it's flexible, it's strong. Right. But the problem is with all that ash borer beetle, it kind of cut the numbers down immensely. Yeah. And again, sometimes what happens is if you've got what they call finished carpentry, like the wood that you see would be maple, oak, whatever. But any of the interior stuff that you're not necessarily seeing, they could use something else, right? So that, so that you're yeah. you're reducing the amount of hardwood. Now, granted, if it's something where you're seeing this thing from all sides, inside, outside, let's say it was some sort of an entertainment cabinet where you're seeing all sides of this thing, including the interior, you can't get away with sort of fudging some of the structure on the interior yeah. and using something that's not necessarily maple, especially when you start to get into Mennonite craftsmanship when it comes to furniture. Yes. Absolutely amazing. And consider that if for the most part, a lot of those, a lot of that construction is done using hand implements. Yes. Yeah. Yes, it is. You're not necessarily using electricity. So these would be saws that would be foot controlled or whatever, or pumped. And I mean, these blades have got to be razor sharp because if you're trying to cut through maple and oak, holy cow, 45 yeah. seconds. But man, here's a number to take into consideration that when, uh, whatever, if you're doing a new renovations on your home and so forth, or you're building new decks, fences, and taking the old ones down, what you must remember is 60% per percent, no, sorry, 60 pounds of waste per square foot is what's going into our landfill. Yeah. And um, that is really on the depressing side. Well, and this is where we heard Damon Bennett years ago say it. He thought that 50 to 60% of the debris in dumps and waste areas have to do with construction. Yeah. And this is where we are great at the recycling thing, but we're not good at the reduce and we're definitely not good at the reuse. And that is a great place to press pause. I'm going to take this because this is near and dear to my heart. My wife, Kelly Jordan, she of the interior design firm uh, Centris, 
She's actually currently working on the redo of the Parliament buildings in Ottawa. She always talks to me about something called virgin plastic. And what virgin plastic is, is it is plastic that is created for its first... By virgins? Well... <laughs> man, you're really starting to narrow your employment uh, possibilities, eh? Uh, <laughs> sorry, we can't have you. Uh, apparently, you've had way too many interactions. Um, <laughs> anyway, virgin plastic is plastic that has been created for its first purpose. So, for instance, uh, let's A say... A water bottle. A water bottle. Let's say that that plastic was created to make into the water bottle. Virgin, you guys just cannot control yourself, can you? Okay, so the point is that we want to reduce the amount of virgin plastic. Okay, this is where the reuse or the recycle comes into play. They are now, specifically when it comes to outdoor construction, there are now companies that are making decks and fences from this recycled plastic. Now, something to consider is the amount of environmental fallout it takes to recycle that stuff and turn it into something else, right? Yes. Right? Just listen, the calories that you're eating while making dinner still count as calories. Yes. Yes. (laughs) So you have to consider that there is a process necessary to turn this stuff into other stuff. Yes. Big time uh, problem that is that the recycled plastic fences, whatever else. And decks, especially. Get really hot. Yes. Okay. Wickedly, wickedly hot. Oh, guys, we always end the show in a very, very similar fashion. This would be no exception. If a tree falls in the woods and nobody hears it, guess what? It means my illegal logging business is a big success. <laughs> <laughs> Mom? Till next time, have a good one and please be safe. Jack out. If you miss any part of our show today or any of our earlier broadcasts, don't panic. Just log on to our website at www.saga960am.ca backslash podcasts and look for and stream our podcasts of this show and any of our other great programs. 